You are now tuned in to the third season of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voices. I am your host, Chris, here to remind you that it is okay to not be okay. If you enjoyed the last two seasons, you may enjoy this one as just as much, if not more, than the others. As a reminder, I am not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, speaking purely from experience and research. Trigger warning on possible explicit content and language. What's up, Warriors, and welcome to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I, of course, am your host, Chris. Today's special guest we have, uh, she is a fellow warrior and a podcaster who is also a writer. Um, She uses her experiences to create a safe space using the tools that she has felt useful in her journey to help others and vicariously heal through her her methods. Please help me welcome Cheyenne. Cheyenne, how are you? Hello, friend. How you doing today? Thank you for coming on. Yes, I'm doing wonderful. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm happy uh happy you came on here too. Uh you know, like I was saying before we started recording, uh Sean has shared uh, quite a bit of your content with me and of course uh we're friends on Facebook too, so I do check in every now and again to see uh see what you got going on and um definitely wanted to get you on the podcast. I'm glad we were able to to work this out today. Ditto. Same for you. Sean shares your stuff. I get to see all the things you're doing, especially in the mental health group that you're in. And I I think it's just good to be here. I think it's good to have these conversations and really like normalize the stuff that we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I feel it's important, like, uh, you know, with my podcast, I try to alternate between guy perspective and female perspective, just because like, um, sometimes i'm criticized for like having too many guys on too many girls on it's like all right i'm trying guys like it's hard to it's hard to be consistent with that stuff because sometimes there's you know obviously there's that stigma among men that don't want to share their story don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. those things because we're not encouraged to um but it's nice to to meet those women that are willing to uh i guess speak for those men that are silent that don't want to share their journeys and i'm sure as a content creator yourself you've seen you've seen something similar to that too where a guy versus a girl sharing their story it's two completely different levels oh i mean i have 10 times more women that come on the show that men and it's not like i haven't put the invitation out there i think it's so easy especially when you're looking at all the graphs to see like who's actually listening and all of that stuff like Oh, you know, sad to say, like, you're right. It is harder for men to come on. Like they really aren't at that part of their journey where they're willing to share, or they even know that they've like went through trauma in some aspect where they're willing to really talk about it versus, you know, if we're just going to speak like feminine and masculine collective, like you can see a grand rising in the feminine collective and really healing and coming into themselves and coming into their power and you have all of these women that are you know almost going to these men like look at what I've found inside of me it has to be inside of you too but it has in my opinion like a lot to do with like generational trauma and even societal trauma like men are just very they're not trained to talk about any of that and even if the women were too 
you know, it just, it really takes time, but I do see an unraveling in both, but also when it comes to like, when I book a guest on the show, I'm not looking at if you're a guy or a girl, I'm not looking at your followers. I'm not looking at like the networking aspect of it. Like I have a conversation with you. You have a story that needs to be told. I think that you have impact, whether it's in just like an everyday normal life where you have normal realizations all the way to the extra spooky spiritual like phenomenon that we can see going out into the world. So right. I, I am like you where I'm like, Oh God, I really wish that I could just get like more men on my show to tell their story and share their vulnerabilities yeah. because whether there's a guy listening to the show or whether it's a woman going to the show, like I've had plenty of podcasts where I've sent them to my husband and I'm like, I think you'll get the message that I've been trying to tell you for five years through right. this one episode. So, right. I mean, I guess who's ever willing to share, that's what, that's the net that I'm really casting out. Um, it really lowers my vibration to look at the analytics of stuff and the numbers and the likes and the downloads and, you know, the, almost the unworthiness and the content creation where, yeah, you obviously want to pull more numbers for more reach, but my intention is, you know, it's a time capsule for right. anybody that wants to vicariously live through these guests. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I've had, I've had three different guys on my podcast that, well, I guess five, if you want to count Derek and Sean, um, that have been like openly vulnerable and willing to tell their story. Um, one of the first guests that I had on um, is one of my good friends, George, and I've known him since high school. And uh, our brother passed away uh, in 2021. And uh, I think it was uh, a year after he passed and he wanted to be on the podcast to celebrate his life. I didn't know what to expect. It was just kind of one of those, you know, two guys on a podcast and let's see, you know, let's see what we can get going on here. And he's one of those guys who struggles, but he struggles in silence. And I, and mm. I know this because I see it and it's a dangerous struggle. Yeah. And he was very vulnerable on that podcast. And I was surprised. I'm like, bro, I've never seen you cry in my entire life. Like um, it's things like that. Like you said, it's, it doesn't matter if it's a guy or a girl to me either. It's more so, what your story is and how you can tell it and who we can reach with that story. Is it great to have 60 listens on an episode? Sure. It's a wonderful feeling that you're reaching that many people. But when you look at some of the episodes that you put so much work into that might not get as many listeners, those few listeners might've got more out of that podcast than those 60, 70 people did. And for me, it's always interesting to look at the analytics because I get in my head about it sometimes and be like, you know, uh, I only got seven listens on this one. My last one got 30 listens and it's, and I'm in my head about it. It's like, what can I do differently? Mm -hmm. And the answer is always keep doing what you're doing because everybody has a unique story and not everybody is going to take it the same way that you took it. And Absolutely. that kind of leads me to you. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to know, a little about your story, you know, tell us, tell us how your journey started to, to get to where you're at right now. Great. I'm <laughs> so glad you asked. Let <laughs> me try to bullet point and condense this because it's honestly a really trippy ride. Mm -hmm. Um, I know this is 
you know, for mental health, a lot of your listeners are in like the recovery aspect of their life. Like everybody has a crazy story, but when you live like a recovery story, um, (laughs) it's even crazier. So, um, do you know what it feels like to take mushrooms, like psilocybin mushrooms? Not mushrooms, but I have uh, experimented with acid, but I mean. Okay. So like, you know, like what a psychedelic feels right. Like, right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in the term of spiritual awakening and spiritual emergency, um, I was on a very divinely guided path, to put it nicely, um, of an extremely um, unraveling of who I thought I was and my ego at the time. Right. And this I'm coming up. I always have an anniversary date. Like I know people have recovery dates and sobriety dates. I have a spiritual awakening date because I know when I woke up that day that I was, I was different and I can look back at the events that really led me up to that. And, um, I just, I never really want to forget how I felt that day because it, I mean, whether you're a spiritualist, whether you're into a religion, like if I wanted to speak to a religious group and go in front of them, I would say the Holy Spirit literally came in my body and showed me God's love. If I was talking to a spiritualist or however they consider themselves, I would say I had a Kundalini awakening. My chakras were opened. I had clear senses and I was seeing things that I honestly believe only I I thought God would have the power to see you know, and if you're on the wrong side of the religion, they would tell you I had demons inside of me and I can't see shit. So from my perspective, I really did have a spiritual awakening and also like a spiritual emergency as far as my third dimensional life went. Um, Before all of that, um, I had a really um, split childhood with like two households. Like I was always raised in two households and I was impacted with a monumental amount of completely different influences like one house like we went to church and we had like a very not necessarily like a church filled life all the time but like we did events I went to the devil bible schools I did one at my mom's and one at my dad's and there was music everywhere like one of my first memories is being at a show at one of like my stepdad's shows when I was a little kid. And I just always remember like music was a very, very big part of my life. Um, and like over the years go on, you kind of get away from those dreams in a way, like whether it was the stage fright, whether it was, you know, I'm not good enough, all of these things. Um, a lot of my creativity and my passions had really just been shoved down to really go and like chase the ladder of stuff. So I worked for an amazing company for, I think about nine years. Um, and I started out as a server back home and I made it all the way up the management chain. They moved me to Kansas city. I trained in Waco, Texas. I traveled a lot of places in the country for the company. And I mean, I attribute like that company for redirecting and saving my life in a sense. Um, and it was really like my physical life. So I was working all the time. I was training all the time. Um, I did have a yoga, yoga practice established since like 2013. So that was like my saving grace when I would go back to try to connect with myself. Right. Um, and looking back now, like retrospects, my favorite thing to do. 
um, there were a lot of like taps on my shoulders of like trying to bring me home to myself, to, you know, whatever I believed in. And a lot of my identity was really wrapped up in my work. Like I was very excited about the promotions that I got. I was very excited to tell people that I was running my own store, that I was training my own people, that I was hiring my own people. I was passionately invested in this company. And then I remember like going home and I would like write, write poetry or, you know, work on a book that I've been working on for, I think a decade probably. And just, Oh, that's really good idea. Yeah. It feels like chapter seven. Let's just get the shit out. Um, but I would really like push almost like the right side of my brain away. Cause that's like the very creative side. Um, and I noticed that not only was I went in a really like masculine dominated world, but I like, I had to shove everything down over and over and over. Like being feminine did not feel safe in a lot of areas of my life for a very long time, whether it was in a relationship with someone that I was with way too long, you know, and I didn't know my self-worth and I believed a lot of the negative things that they were telling me. And I really wore that. Um, Checking in with myself was like not a part of it. And honestly, like I got to a part in the job where I was very burnt out. I was very jaded. I was extremely condescending. I know that like there are people to this day that like if they met this version of me, like they probably wouldn't be scared of me. <laughs> but there there was a very like low octave of myself that they met at that time in my life. And I know that if they saw me today, they would be like, oh my God, it's her. You know, <laughs> and they kind of like shy away. They're like, oh, you have like you have no idea. Cause I did have like a devil angel aspect of stuff where, um, I, I could not control my shit and I'm a, I'm a tell it like it is type person. And I was very blunt and I was really like, fuck your feelings to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really want to be like that. So, um, leaving that company was honestly one of the best things for me, even though it happened in like a really crazy way. I was planning my wedding I'd been planning my wedding for like a year and I live in Wichita Kansas and my wedding was back home in my hometown so I needed an extreme amount of days off I could really give a shit less about my job at the time based on the relationship I kind of had with my boss and just really being over it like it wasn't the company's fault it wasn't my fault it was just two things that really needed to disband and like I was the thing that needed to disband um, and if you don't shut the door, like certainly whatever you believe in, I'm, I'm comfortable saying God, spirit, source, creator, like they will just slam that door in your face. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what happened to me. And I was so thankful. Cause I remember like, I remember having the conversation with my boss and he was like, I don't want to do this. He's like, but I don't really know what to do. Like he, he was like holding back, like almost tears. Cause he really didn't like, he knew he needed to do it, but he didn't want to do it. And I just grabbed his hand and I said, you need to do this. Like, this is good for you. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. Like I'm going to go, I'm going to figure out who the fuck I am because this is not me. You're going to stay here and you're going to run your business and I'm going to leave and I don't have to do this anymore. Like the day that I knew that I was going to be let go, um, I left my TV paused on my favorite movie. I left my dog on the couch and I rolled a celebratory blunt. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, today is the day where we're going to go lose our career. And I know that I should be really sad, really embarrassed, really shamed about all this stuff. But I don't feel any of that. I feel 
absolute fucking relief. This, I don't know what's ahead of me. Am I terrified for the unknown? Yes, but I know that this isn't it and this isn't me. And it's literally fucking killing my soul. You know, I've always been like an old soul type person anyway. So when me and my soul are out of sync, like she lets me know. So um, that happened. And with releasing the company, I know that was a long story, but I swear I'm rounding it around. Um, When I released that, I realized my whole identity had really become that company. And before that company was a shitload of fucking trauma that I didn't even know happened to me. Like I knew it was bad. I knew that I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have done. I knew that I was better than what I had been doing. But it was such a weird transition from your life's fucked up. This company saved your life. Just here's your ladder, right? Just take your promotions, take your money, take your bonuses, take your 401k and just leave your dreams at the door, kid, because they're a little too much is kind of what it was for me. So um After that happened, it was a couple weeks before my wedding. I had already started going back into a restorative yoga class with a wonderful lady named Sally. I always like to talk about her because I only had her in my life for a year before I'm pretty sure COVID took her out when all that stuff took over. And that was really hard for me to go through because she was a very bright, inspiring light in my life that just made me feel better about the transition I was going through. Right. Um. But in our classes, restoratives like really slow, like you're, it's almost like somatic therapy that's going around. It's still a version of that where you're just really breathing, you're sitting in silence and you're connecting back with your body and you're feeling your heartbeat for the first time. You're feeling your breath and you're like realizing like you just have a purpose in existing. And I'd never felt that way before because so much of my life had been productivity and numbers and results and conditional love I think is the best way I could say especially in like a business format where if I achieve something I got love I got praise you know and and I I didn't have anything anymore I didn't have anything to tell people they're like what are you doing with your life I'm like fucking finding myself (laughs) you know and people are like uh because like before (laughs) that you know I had this like big fancy title and I could be like oh I do this I'm in charge of this la 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 you know, and people are like, oh, you're really doing something with your life. And then like, now I'm like, I just got married and I just had a spiritual awakening and, you know, I'm sitting in a room six hours a day crying. Cause I guess this was called the dark night of the soul. My ego's unraveling, like all this very like high spiritual terminology stuff. And, um, one of my favorite parts of the healing was like inner child healing. So I found something one day that said, uh, who were you when the world got to you? Like, you know, Mm. sit down and meditate, right? Mm -hmm. Sit down and meditate and think about like, what did you like as a kid? Like, what did you dream about being and doing when you were a kid before you went and told an adult? And they were like, yeah, that's a completely unrealistic dream. You'll probably like end up a beggar on the street if you go down that path. Right. Um, and two things came to mind. It was, um, music and it was writing. And as much as I would like still love to be a rock star in my life, um, writing is definitely like the number one thing for me. Um, I still like try to practice piano and get back on it and I'll eventually sing maybe in like a Fleetwood Mac cover band one day. I don't know. But (laughs) um, I know it's a part of my path now. So like when that happened, it really reignited something in me 
Um, I've kept all of my notebooks since I was a kid. So I went and started reading like parts of me that I really didn't know anymore, whether it was the very tragic and sad parts where, you know, I thought that I was going to die all the way to the really happy moments. And I realized like, I have such a gift to remember myself. Cause there's a lot of people that don't remember shit about their childhood, about anything that happened to them. They either don't want to remember or they can't. Um, and I have a beautiful gift of memory. So I was able to really dive back into a lot of those parts and, um, in the 3d world, cause you know, there's always a plan somehow I, um, I'm trying to form a timeline here. So I got married two weeks before my wedding. I had a spiritual awakening. All five clear senses that you can look up had been activated in me. And I was either like, I'm going to a psych ward or a psychic. You know, like, I'm yeah, like, where do I go <laughs> with this information? Right. Because, and I was like, well, let's see. I tried I Western. It. Yeah. I tried Western medicine when I was 19. Um, because like kind of the same thing had happened to me where, um, I was like seeing stuff. And again, I was like, okay, let's like, let's balance this out. If I go to a psych ward, I'm hallucinating. I could potentially be branded with like all of these things. Um, and I don't really want to go down that route because like, I've seen shit since I was a kid. Like, it's just kind of, it was normal for me to like see dead people or spirits or hear stuff. I didn't right. know that it was Claire Cognizance, Claire Audience, and all of these things that you can go look up files on at the Monroe Institute, right? So all these things hit me, like, literally, I like to say I got dick punched by the divine. Because, like, that's the best way to describe it, especially to a guy, because a guy knows. Like, if a, you're like, oh, my God, that bad? I'm like, that fucking bad, bro. That bad. You know? And I wake, like, I wake up one day with my husband, and I can already feel it coming. Like, I felt gratitude on my body for the first time. I felt like, and I said psychedelics at the beginning, because anybody that's taken any sort of psychedelic, you know, after you take it, you're waiting to feel like the shell come off of you. And then right. you're like, oh my God, there I am. As yeah. long as you don't take too much and trip balls. But um, that was the same thing. Like this shell had come off me. I had risen to this almost higher vibration and I was given an eagle eye view of like my life and my timeline and why I went through things. And you know, like a lot of shame had been released, a lot of embarrassment, a lot of ignorance and misunderstandings and um, resentment, I think was a really big one, resentment towards myself and others and really like condemning of others, like all of these very lower vibrational things on the scale, they had just been ripped away from me. And I, I woke up and I was in a state of absolute bliss and absolute love. And I could feel my heartbeat through my chest um, which if anybody has had like a heart chakra expansion or a Kundalini awakening, they know exactly what I'm talking about by having their heart open up completely. Um, so I had to go to my husband because this happened two weeks before our wedding. And I like I was trying to explain stuff the whole time I was looking through any spiritual book and any scientific basis I could have because my husband would choose science over spirit any day. He's like, need that physical proof, babe. Right. Um. And I sat down with them and I was like, okay, this is what's been happening. This is what's happening. Um, 
do you want to marry me? Because it's only going to get weirder. And like, I don't blame you. You know, like it was like homie to homie. I was like, I don't fucking blame you. If you just want to kick rocks right. right now. Like I can tell everybody it's totally my fault. You know, just kind of like paraphrasing at the time <laughs> conversations. And he was like, no, like I already knew when I proposed to you that shit was probably going to be weird with you because you you just you have like a an amazing different personality he's like but I fell in love with your soul when I met you he's like we're probably gonna go through a lot of shit together during this marriage he's like did I see a spiritual awakening coming fuck no he goes but either did you he's like so whatever this ride is that we're on he's like we're gonna figure it out together and he's like however I can support you like let me support you and I was like and I do too, but I was like, okay, I believe you, but you did hear the part where I see dead people and someone's talking to me in my right ear all the time. Right. And I had already like started creating even before the awakening. I, I did like tie dye projects and a bunch of other things. And I noticed that my creation was coming back and I was like, I need scientific proof on why the creative aspect of myself is coming back. And I found a quote that said uh when the feminine is safe she opens up Mm. and then that drove me back to oh well how long have i been operating out of like my left brain and my masculine energy like where the fuck is my feminine where'd she go i bet she's really broken you know so like you sit down and you meditate and you journal about it again and i was like the safer that i got not only like in my home and my surroundings and in my life Um, I was safe in my mind to start talking and unraveling all of these things that I didn't know happened or really to put like a definition to a lot Mm. of things. So like, thank God for writing because I have been writing for an extremely long time, like since I could pick up a pen. But if I didn't have writing and I also didn't have all these amazing musicians and other creators to like speak my feelings to me, I honestly think that I would be dead because I would have no idea how to deal with the unbearable pain that I was feeling most of my life. Like right. the suffer and silence people, I see you, I get you, I am you. So when you meet somebody like that, you just kind of sit back and it's almost like an empathetic feel. You're like, I get it. Like, I know we're not going through the same shit, but we're going through the same shit, you know? And, you know, I, I feel, I feel that's like the, the most important part of, of that is we're not all going through the same battle. Mm -hmm. And while we can understand each other, we don't need to compare traumas. We don't need to treat it as a competition because I feel there are more people in this community that do that then you know then we need to because it's like you know if i break my leg and you sprain your ankle you know there's no reason to compare we're both in pain yeah your pain might be greater than mine but mm-hmm. i'm not going to say oh well mine hurts more than yours so your your pain doesn't matter and it's the same with trauma um for me uh you know it's it's interesting that you brought up when you left your careers when things started coming together for you you know you had that awakening inside you for me I worked at a a retail store for six years. I went to three different stores and I was moving up the ranks much like yourself with the promotions and happy to share with people, you know, how great I was doing there. And then started noticing that it was me just being content and numbing 
myself, numbing all of my feelings just to to make a buck. And when I left that company, you know, it was it was bittersweet because I met so many amazing people and I had a really good relationship with my boss. She was one of the most supportive human beings I've ever met. And I've met some of my best friends from uh, from where I work, too. And when I left there, I felt a tremendous amount of weight lifted off my shoulders. And I could finally feel again, like I didn't feel like I was a human being. I felt like I was a robot for six years, yes. you know, just greeting customers and, you know, helping them how they need to be helped. And I never worried about how I felt about anything, um, which kind of led to my second attempt at 27 when I could finally feel everything that I was trying to feel. And then my emotions started getting out of control and I attempted at my life a second time. That was when I realized that I needed to get help from myself. Cause you know, again, like we alluded to earlier, men are not encouraged to look for that kind of help for themselves. You know, wh- whether it's spiritual, whether it's therapy, whether it's whatever, you know, whatever helps you, we're not encouraged to look for that help. And when I did, um, I sat on a therapist couch for the first two sessions and couldn't stop crying. I couldn't form a sentence. I couldn't, you know, audibly talk about anything like we're talking about now and listening to your testament and just how, you know, you're about to get married and you have that awakening inside of you. And it's amazing when you start working on yourself and you start, uh, allowing yourself to feel all the things around you, like, being grateful and, you know, appreciating everything that you're, you have built yourself up to now. And um, inner child work, I feel, is something that so many people don't appreciate just how powerful that can be. Because for me, uh, you mentioned something that, you know, some people can't talk about the good things or can't remember the good things in their childhood. And that's me. I, I remember nothing but the traumatic stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever you know, anything good out of my childhood, you know, what it was cops, it was moving, it was the abuse for my mom, you know, whatever it was, I can't remember anything positive out of my childhood. And maybe it's because I've done so much work to try and heal from that, that I blocked out all of the good things because the negative outweighed all the good things. Um, I, I think the earliest memory that I have that was really traumatic, I was four years old and I got my ass beat by my dad um because i opened all the christmas presents on christmas eve i didn't know better and i i remember that like it was yesterday mm-hmm. and I, I think i was like uh just turned four or something like that and I, and I never forgot it since then um but you know i i think it's truly incredible to to hear a testament from somebody like yourself who has gone through so much who has uh reached the journey of getting married and being able to have that awakening within yourself and still have that support from from the person that you love like when he said that he supports you in that you know he saw your soul and fell in love with that man like that was powerful and and in a generation full of people that just want options he didn't look away he saw the person that he wanted to be with and he wanted to chase this journey with and Mm -hmm. i'm glad for you and obviously for your family that you know, you are where you are right now, because I think that's such a powerful part of your story. It definitely is. Um, I definitely don't want to sell it like some sweet, like Snow White, Prince Charming thing at all. That would be realistic. 
Yeah, it's not realistic. We've definitely had a lot of our issues. We've had times where we were going to like throw in the towel um, and just be like, you know what? You're right. You're fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, like, get out of here. Um, right. We've had our moments, but I honestly think like the best thing that has really like kept us like fighting. I don't want to say like fighting to be together because that sounds toxic. Um, but we started out honestly when we met each other we hated we hated each other like we were both we were both managing a store together and I was like I would love nothing but to just like throw your face in a fryer so you can't use your looks anymore to get what you want in life and he was like I would love nothing more than to choke you and watch the life bleed from your eyes so you can never talk again you know like we were like violent verbally with each other and it was it was I mean literally like morbid sarcasm we would obviously never physically hurt each other but we would push each other to these sarcastic points at work where like I would have to clock off to finish the conversation I was like oh so we could like we could never like really win it away it was a very like sarcastic battle but we ended up having a boss that just drove us both absolutely freaking nuts to where we would be at like a bar on Thursday night at karaoke and I would be like what did he do to you today because this is what he did to me and we almost like bonded because our boss was such a dick to us we had to we had to work at the store all the time we had to travel together we had to train together like like energetically we were forced to figure out how to be friends um And the friendship was just so beautiful in the beginning. Like he really was like a mentor to me when I went to work and I would get stuck. He would really help me. He would not sugarcoat anything. He would be like, yeah, you really suck at this. Like we should do it like this. And I was like, okay, but it like, it didn't hurt my feelings. So I was like, I don't give a fuck what you're saying. You know, like it was just, it was very like, fuck you. I hear what you say type stuff. Um, so we ended up having like a long distance relationship for a little bit. We were, I mean, we were great lovers. We are still great friends to this day. And when like that romanticized version, the fairy tale love that everybody's like thinking is going to last forever. Like when that shit falls off and you're standing across the room and you're like, how did I get here? Who are you? Like, what is going on? Like the world just kind of takes its toll. Like, yeah, we've had, we've had our moments where we have it out. And then I'm like, you know what? You're my best friend. Um, am I yours? Cause you're mine. You know, and we just kind of have like moments like that and it's beautiful. And even when the podcast came around, so obviously when you leave a career with a 401k and like job security and all of that, um, you kind of lose your, like level of living like I was driving a brand new car luckily I'd been in the same house since I was but now I don't really get my fancy brand new car I'm gonna have to like go like downgrade didn't bug me at all because I'm living in the bliss of finally being able to feel feelings and love people instead of being like jaded and condescending and oh everything's against me um and I tell this again I think Of course I tree branched, but I wanted to interject this earlier. So I started seeing like, obviously a synchronistic path through my life where I was extremely uncomfortable with the way that my life was obviously going in the physical, because a lot of the things that I prided myself on being able to do and have were dismantling in front of my face. I didn't really feel like a responsible adult. I didn't feel like a functioning adult. I didn't feel like a married person that had to go play this rigid fucking wife role 
and yeah, let me do the laundry. Let me cook the food. Like I really, really struggled not only like with my mental health, with all of my past coming out to be healed and like, well, fuck, where do I fit in the world now? Like now I don't have a number and now I don't have a cool fancy title. And when people are asking me what I'm doing with my life, I'm like, I can't tell my cry six hours a day. Like this isn't forever. Right. <laughs> so, um, I found out I was pregnant a few months after our honeymoon, like, yay, honeymoon took, took the bait. And, um, a few weeks prior, I had actually thought that I had miscarried. So that was really awkward because I went to my yoga instructor and I was like, Hey, I think I'm miscarrying. And, um, I don't really know how I feel about it. Cause I didn't even think I was ready to be a mom anyways, or, you know, I didn't even know that I could have a baby. Cause I had had problems with my ovaries since I was like 18 or 19 years old. So, um, even when my husband and I got together, I was like, I don't even know if I can have kids. I don't want to go down the whole like IVF road, all of that, like right. props to anybody who's done that and experienced it and really gotten through it. Like, God bless you you deserve every baby you can ever have. Um, for me, I was like, I'll take it if motherhood comes into play and I'll leave it if it doesn't. I'm not going to hinge my life on motherhood completing me and my identity and what I want. There's plenty of other things that I can go help and like adoptions there, right? So um, it took me about a month after I thought I miscarried to go to the doctor because things were still a little out of whack. And I did find out that day that I was pregnant and I was like, I'm in the middle of a spiritual awakening. I'm seeing dead people and I have a baby. Great. Like I'm textbook. I'm perfect for a psych ward. I'm perfect for <laughs> right. Western medicine. Like they're like, there's somebody with a pill script waiting to diagnose right. me with some trippy fucking disease. And I was just like, okay, um, great. Now I'm going to be a mother now. So like I get on my knees and I put my hands together and I was like, Jesus, Y'all got a really good sense of humor, but like, what is really going on with my life right now? Uh, because, you know, you have to support a baby and you can't really do that when you leave a career. So my back knowledge is restaurant management and hospitality and training and like people. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into this other concept that um, is kind of familiar, but like, I call this period of my life towing the line for my family because there's an awakening aspect where you come home to yourself, you're starting to get through the process. And, but then obviously like real life is still there too. So you're like, I don't want to lose this bliss. I don't want to lose this love for people and this understanding of this world and this interconnectedness that I finally see without psychedelics. Cause right. I had taken shrooms before. So it was very recognizable. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm completely sober and I feel like someone slipped me a mushroom. Like that's to me how spiritual awakenings feel for anybody that's like, what do you mean? <laughs> so I go to this business. I start working there. Um, it's great. I won't get into the finer details of it because that's not the part of the story. The part of the story was there were these two guys that came in from the local radio station one day and they were trying to sell me advertisement for our new business. I wasn't even supposed to take the meeting that day, but the girl that was supposed to take the meeting, like didn't show up something like that. So I ended up taking the meeting because I don't want to stand these guys up. It's fine. Like I'll talk to you. I'm not going to be able to buy it anyways, but I'm going to listen to your spiel and offer you some food. 
so I talk to him, whatever we kick it off, have a great conversation. And he's like, do you actually like want to quit your job and come work at a radio station and sell advertising? Cause I think you'd be a, an amazing salesperson. And I said, I am an amazing salesperson. I've been a salesperson. I used to sling steaks and make you cover it and <laughs> shit that you didn't even want to eat because the way I described it, you wanted it. Okay. <laughs> like I know I'm a really good salesman. The problem is it makes my soul stink when I sell stuff that people really don't need for an up price. Not saying that anything you do is wrong. I'm like, but right now I was like, my family needs a legitimate like income right now that I get paid this amount. I work this amount of hours and I go home. I need to be with my baby. And he was like, seriously, if you ever change your mind, he's like, call me, please. I'm like, cool. Okay. So, uh, Lo and behold, um, I haven't brought up suicide ideation yet, but uh, that's a really big part of my life. As much as I love people, as much as I'm a golden retriever in my body, when I meet people, I'm like, I love you. You're amazing. You're awesome. What do you do with your life? Yay. Keep doing it. What drives your passion? Um, I still have like a very like dark aspect of me. You can call it dark side, shadow side, whatever. And I struggle heavily with suicide ideation to this day. And, um, that's kind of like a red button in the back of my head. That's telling me like, I'm not doing something right. Like depression's on the horizon, like, a a switch or something's coming in. And as much as I really wanted to do this for my family and have this income and honestly work with this company, um, I would get in my car at the end of the day and I would just hear a voice in my head that would just be like, you know what you should do? You should drive your car really fast into that wall like that sounds better than waking up every day and going and doing almost the same thing that you did for nine years and like right. almost killed yourself mentally again right so it's still the same line of work it was a different concept again I love hiring people I love training people I love being with people um but it still really wasn't fucking working so right. um I remember like rolling over to my husband again and I was just like, I can't believe you married me and I'm so fucking lost in life. Like, do you know how humiliating it feels to feel like you have all of your shit together and then when you're supposed to marry somebody, like you're supposed to be an equal partner to them and I don't feel like I can be an equal partner to you. I feel like I'm literally dragging you fucking down in life. Like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Now I have a kid I'm supposed to take care of. And this job is driving me up the wall. Like I'm starting to regress. Like I'm starting to go back asleep in a weird way is the best way I can say. And he was like, I told you if you ever went back to the, if I observed you going back to the way that you were when you worked at the other job, he's like, you're going to have to quit and we're going to have to figure it out. He goes, you've really come too far. We can't we can't have you go back to that. He goes, cause I don't even know what to do for you. And I just like, I told you to quit last week when you came home crying and I didn't come home crying because like I had a bad thing at work. I came home crying because the voice was back in my head. And I was like, it was really hard to get out of bed. And I wanted to like pump myself up, like with my masculine energy, right. Where I would shove everything down and I would deny myself and I would 
be like, I'm doing this for my family. I'm providing for my family. This is what adults do, like that very rigid thing. And even though that voice technically was right, the other voice was coming in and it's like, you're killing me. You're killing yourself. You're killing your spark. And then the even darker voice would come in and it would just be like, yeah, it'd be really easy to just go pull a gun out of the closet, wouldn't it? This could all be over. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, but like, what a mess. What a tragedy. What a waste of a life. Like, I have a knowing in me. I know I'm supposed to do more than this. So I ended up leaving, went home for the holidays, and I came back and I was like getting on Facebook and randomly out of nowhere, Facebook's like, there's this job open at this radio station. And so anything in radio is great because I actually, before I dropped out of college, I wanted to do like a broadcasting degree to be like broadcast journalism. And I did end up going to the university that I wanted to when I went out for me. And um, I was like, like, I just felt like that spark again, you know, like you feel that I was like, oh my God, I would love to go work at a radio station again. I would just, I just said, I would love to be around boards and cords that would just make my fucking day every day. And it was for a traffic coordinator, which I knew nothing about. I was not qualified at all. And I reached out to the post and I said, this is all the radio experience I have. It's been a long time. I'm a quick learner. You're never going to find anybody that loves being around boards and cords more than me. And I sent it at like 630 that night. I woke up the next day and I called the office to check on my resume. And I knew if I could just talk to somebody and they could hear my voice there's no fucking way they wouldn't give me an interview because I was so fucking stoked (laughs) to even have the opportunity to even just go interview at a radio station again. Right. So I get on the phone and the guy that put out the post is the guy that wanted me to sell advertisement. No shit. Prior. Yes. What? Yes. Then this is why I tell the story because I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me right now. Like this is the radio station that I'm applying for a job that I don't know. I get on the phone and he doesn't know anybody else with my name. He just said, yeah, the only Cheyenne I ever met or know works here. And I said, well, she doesn't work there anymore. She wants to work for you, sir. And he's like, why don't you come in on Monday and I'll show you around the studio. So I'm like tickled fucking pink, like happier than a hog rolling and shit. You wouldn't believe it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go back into the studio. This is going to be amazing. I don't even care what I do. I don't, I don't give a fuck if I answer phones and like tell everybody hello. I just get me around some media stuff. Get me like almost closer to music in a sense. So I went there and I mean, obviously took the job, but while I was there, I got hooked up with the operations manager there and we became like fast friends. His wife is a master herbalist and like holistic medicine is my Jimmy jam. Um, But apparently the indicator that I was into holistic medicine was I had an orange calcite necklace on my neck and I use orange calcite jokingly. And I say, it keeps the bitches away and it brings people (laughs) to me that I would like to talk to, right? Like get out of my vibrational space. I don't have time for your judgment. So I walk into this guy's studio to say, hey, I'm going to be your new traffic coordinator. I have no clue what I'm doing. Probably going to fuck some shit up. But if you're nice to me, I'll get it figured out. If you're mean to me, I can be vindictive. Let's not go down that road. And he just kind of laughed his ass off. He's a super laid back guy. And he goes, is that a crystal around your neck? And I was like, 
you know, like in your mind, you're like, here it goes. They think you're like a stereotypical crystal girl and I'm going to wave all my problems away with sage and amethyst. And I'm just like, yep, it's orange calcite. And he's like, you and my wife would probably be really good friends. She's a master herbalist. She like loves getting into all that stuff. And I was like, really, you know, like where you stand on it. And he kind of told me like where his beliefs are and what he was into and all these like crazy experiences that he had. And we formed a really good friendship while I was there. And I just kept hearing everybody talk about having a podcast. And I was like, oh, that'd be super cool. But there's no way that I'm ever getting in front of a microphone again. It's just, it's it's a long lost dream. Should have done it, could have done it, didn't do it, right? right. So um, I was the only like female in there. It was an extremely, of course, male dominated speaking place. And Andy wanted to put a girl's voice on some of the commercials that we shoot out to like Oklahoma and Texas, like 15 Mm. minute spots, like Oklahoma sale yard, like shit (laughs) like that. Like (laughs) I tried to disguise my voice because I was like, (laughs) if I hear myself talking about a fucking barn in Oklahoma, I'm going to (laughs) puke. So I go in and I start cutting commercials and I, I haven't heard my voice like, you know, in, like that ever I just hear the voice in my head and I'm like your voice is kind of weird I've never heard your voice before (laughs) but I get on there one day I'm in a really good mood and I'm like damn Andy is this what my voice sounds like (laughs) and he goes yeah and I go I'm a soothing motherfucker I was like I could listen to this shit all day and I'm like partially joking, but I'm actually mortified because this is another level of me knowing myself. I'm like, right. huh? I mean, I know I'm talking about stuff that I really don't care about. I was like, but this is really fun. And it was really good to just do something like recording wise. So I was like, this is great. This is great. This is great. The spiritual awakening still unraveling. I have notebooks for days of shit that I'm researching anything from Christ consciousness to Anunnaki to dude, you fucking name it. Right. And I've always been the person probably like you where somebody will come up and they'll tell you everything about their story more than they probably should. And they're like, it's just so easy to talk to you. And I was like, I totally get it. Here's some unsolicited (laughs) advice you didn't ask for since you gave me your story. I didn't ask for, you know, (laughs) let's exchange this energy. And I'm sitting at work one day and that same zing that happened when I got the radio station job happened to me as I'm sitting at my desk. And it's like, what do I do with this experience that I've had? What do I do with all this information? What do I do with the fact that I love talking? I love providing people a very safe place to talk to and to make them feel better about like all this darkness going on in their life. Like, what the fuck do I do with all this? And it's like, shoo, just hits me. And I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And then the second voice was, no, you fucking aren't. You're crazy. You're not getting back in front of a microphone. And I was like, yes, I am. So I like, I like run back to Andy's office. I'm like, Andy, dude, get, I got to figure it out. I know what I'm doing. And he's like, what? I was like, I'm starting a fucking podcast. And he's like, yeah, you are. And I was like, yeah, I am. How how do you start a podcast? (laughs) He just started laughing his ass off. And he's like, dude, you know, I have my own media company, right? He's like, I can be your producer. He's like, I'll, you can, I'll tell you the equipment to get. I'll tell you the best value. He's like, I got you. He's like, you 
figure out the content, figure out the guests, and I'll teach you everything you need to know. And I was like, this is hella grassroots for me, dude. Like, I right. haven't been around boards and cords in over 10 years. This is crazy. So that's really like, if you go like step by step, like when you're really listening and tuning into yourself, so mm -hmm. God, divine creator spirit can talk to you. That is honestly how my platform got here is because right. I had a spiritual awakening. I remembered who I was before the world got me. I have the gift of gab, as you can tell. And I wanted to provide a safe place to bring people's stories, whether they're dark, whether they're light, whether they're controversial, whatever they are, and just be like, let's just have a conversation because yeah. I know this sounds hippy dippy, but I love you. And yeah. one day we're also not going to be here. Wouldn't it be really cool that you left something for the world somehow? Yeah. And it just kind of spiraled after that. And now I have over 65 episodes of poetry, writings, guests, tutorials. It keeps growing. And I'm honestly obsessed with it, even though I've taken a seven week break from recording, which also hurts my soul. Yeah. I'm like, um, I need to go back. My my journey into podcasting started with the dream of wanting to be a wrestler and coming a wrestling commentator. Um, been watching wrestling since I was like seven years old and mm -hmm. have been following it ever since. And you know, uh, just always fascinated by the different personalities behind a commentating booth and just hearing how they call matches and how they sell a story to you. And I was always so amazed by it. And <clears throat> I tried going to wrestling school. Um, you know, I told him, I said, what I wanted to do is like, oh, you'd have to be a wrestler first to, to get your foot into that door. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm a bigger guy. And, you know, doing some of the things that these smaller guys are really fit built guys can do is, is a struggle for me. I dropped a lot of weight when I was in that wrestling school and I was doing really good for myself. I tore my damn shoulder. And I was out for six weeks uh, with a giant ass cast on my shoulder and um or not not cast a uh, brace and uh i went to new jersey to stay with my mom for sitting those six weeks to take care of me and stuff and um just as like a side note too my mom and i don't have a relationship anymore because she's uh you know as i alluded to earlier um abusive behavior and uh unfortunately has never uh wanted to hold herself accountable for anything um, so after, um, after I left the company I was working for, for six years, uh, I moved up to New Jersey with her cause she told me that I can press the reset button on my life and build a foundation and, and everything that I wanted to do. Um, so I started my own wrestling podcast and it was going really good for at least a couple months. You know, I, we had, we had guests on there. We had legends on there that I never thought in a million years I'd have conversations with and, then it got to a point where my mom's toxic behavior started reintroducing uh, herself to me and uh, her and her at the time fiance were arguing while I was recording. When I went to go back and listen to that recording, you can hear every single word they're saying back and forth to each other. Oh my and God. I just remember when I posted it, I'm like, man, nobody's going to want to listen to this shit because of that. And I gave up. I was, I was done. Um, there was an iHeart radio studio, like not even five minutes away from my house. I was dead set on trying to get a job there. And I got an interview with them, which was, you know, pretty crazy because it's a, it's a radio station, you know, <laughs> like yourself. Um, and I was like, you know, broadcasting is something I've always wanted to do. I just never knew how to 
to get into it because it's such a hard i feel it's a hard field to get into like unless your personality doesn't sell your sell your way into it um passion doesn't really doesn't really sell you on getting a job position sometimes unfortunately um i got that job position i told them how excited i was about possibly working for them and told them how i had a wrestling podcast and everything and i said i'll do whatever you guys want me to do like i i just know this is what i was meant to do never got a call back from them um so again dreams kind of getting uh shot down and uh nothing ever became of the wrestling thing until i moved back down here to florida um one of my friends who was at the wrestling company i was training for was like hey do you want to come out uh to this little backyard show that we're doing for somebody it's like a birthday party and you can do a ring announcing i'm like oh dude ring announcing sounds awesome um i had the time of my life every time i look back at that picture i'm like I was so happy in that element yeah. and then seeing how like talents were treating me after that, because uh, so basically they gave you like a rundown on like the show, like who was walking in first and, you know, and all that stuff. And the, there was like this like special occasion match where they call it Kaiju, which Kaiju is like big, big monster guys uh, coming into the ring, dressing up as like crazy characters. They gave me the wrong order of of wrestlers there walking out and i didn't know that i was just reading off what was on the paper and they got pissed off at me because of that i'm like dude i'm reading what was given to me it's not Mm -hmm. my fault that you guys aren't talking to each other so i did that the one time and i never came back again i got my 20 dollars and i left um and then after that i same company offered me uh a referee position for a match and it was with a guy who was in my training class again and um was not a good person to me he was actually a complete scumbag to me and i'm like i can look past it you know i can be professional whatever um and i froze in one of the parts of the match because like people in the crowd were yelling at me for not doing things how their company does it versus like like a wwe who's like an actual national global company i'm Mm -hmm. like okay well this is how they do it you guys never explained to me that it's not like what i'm watching um so when i got done with that one of their big name talent um, started talking down to me about it. And, and I told uh, the guy who uh, invited me out there to try it. Um, I said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming back here again. Like I'm not going to be talked down to like, that's just, I'm sorry. It's not something that I'm into. Um, so after that, I uh, started doing the wrestling podcast again down here to try it out. Um, it wasn't getting listeners. It wasn't getting anything, no shares or anything. And I was just like, okay, I give up. Like I don't know what else to do. So about 2019, I created that mental health group on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, so I didn't have a long-term goal on it. Um, I didn't know where it was going to grow to. And, you know, lo and behold, we have 1,800 members now. So what to do after that? Um, after my brother passed away, I'm like, okay, he was really strong on the messages that I would put out into the group. So I needed to do something. And I did the podcast and, you know, we're here having this conversation. And I I think my my personal favorite thing about podcasting is just the connections that you make with people, the different stories. I I mean, you're we've been talking what about an hour now, I, I believe. And your story has been incredible. Like, you know, I I think it's important for a lot of those a lot of those pieces that you share, especially uh, the part about your marriage, you know, um, there are people that 
that just give up and you know don't look back but you guys you and your husband like literally fight uh to keep that bond as strong as you do and you know i i think that leads me to a question um that i had written down um that was kind of perfect for that part of your story is what do you think is the most important lesson that you um as a family with with your kid and with your husband that you think um you could share with the listeners that are struggling with their relationships or struggling um with their family situations oh so many things i want to say from my personal experience i will tell you that there is a thing that i regret now looking back about getting married the way that i did and it was as much as we believed we knew ourselves at that time we had no idea who we were like what our traumas were what any of that really looked like and neither of us actually loved ourselves not only did we not know ourselves we did not love ourselves So a lot of the illusion of the beginning of our relationship, like the very big honeymoon phase and, oh my God, you're so amazing, was all us like pouring into each other's cup, even though the bottom of the cups were broken and everything they're giving us is just pouring out of the fucking bottom. So it really became um, like, oh my God, I love how you make me feel. I love how, you know, again, it's like, feeding off of each other in a way and then after that heightened sense kind of goes away you kind of are left with the you know the parts that fart and leave their socks on the ground you know um and I think that goes into a lot of relationships but for me um we probably would not be together if I didn't go through the awakening that I did and I didn't start doing my inner work and I didn't start loving myself. There was no way that I could have had the perception that I have now to be able to make me stop and go, okay, this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. Like, what is this in here? Because he's a really big mirror for me. Um, And I am for him as well, but I'm just like, it's so easy, especially when you go through a lot of traumatic things where when they start triggering those things that used to happen to you and you're like, I don't ever want to be in this situation again. I got to get out. I got to get out. It's just like, okay, there's a reason that this is coming up. I need to handle this differently. I need to think about maybe like cause and effect. Did I do something to get this reaction vice versa? And like the biggest thing I could say is like, look yourself in the mirror and go, well, do I love myself? Like, am I looking at them to validate me? Am I looking at them to fill my cup up? Like, oh shit, I probably, do I know who I am? You know, these are all very big, very big questions. They are, I know the whole self-help holistic love yourself spirituality thing is like sold like a little package of crystals where it's like in six months you're gonna love yourself and (laughs) you're gonna find your fucking purpose and everyone's gonna love you and mm, girl boss um it's all fucking bullshit like don't believe them it is the hardest work you'll ever have to do there are people that literally kill themselves in the middle of a dark night of the soul in the middle of trauma unraveling because it is so unfucking bearable yeah. to see after you love yourself 
right. how you treated yourself and mm -hmm. how you let others treat yourself and how <clears throat> you treated people. Right? right. So then bringing all of that into a marriage and being like, okay, the person you married is the person you proposed to isn't the person you're marrying. The person you married isn't going to be the same person in five years and down the road and down the road and down the road. So mm. yeah, if you're struggling, like I don't ever want people to listen to my story and be in whatever version of their marriage is in. And I don't want to inspire someone to stay in a toxic relationship. I'm right. a believer in soul contracts. I'm a believer in soulmates and I'm a believer in karmics. I'm a super big believer in you have relationships that come into your life that are meant to teach you extremely hard lessons. They are meant to make you feel so unfucking loved that you in turn go into yourself and go, oh shit, look, I don't love myself. Look at all these right. broken pieces I left on the ground. Mm -hmm. So there, it's not like a negative, like fuck karmics. It's like, oh, thank you so much for showing me these very dark parts of me and then you have soulmates you're still gonna have hard lessons but you know they're they're nicer like you can have like a life with them karmics right. in general like i had a karmic a hundred percent and i call them like seven year cycles and if it goes past seven years usually on and off um i mean that's just you not breaking cycles not seeing everything coming over and over and you have free will you can stay in those as long as you want right. so if you're into that spiritual aspect, like identify what this person is showing you. Do you really want to stay with them the rest of your life? And if you don't get the fuck out, like slowly, gradually, one of my favorite, favorite sacred union coaches right now is uncoupling from a 17 year marriage. I have watched this beautiful couple go through the darkest things together, overcome the greatest greatest things. And I think the misconception when you do inner work as a couple or together is obviously your end goal is like, I'm going to do this work to save this marriage and stay, whether you go to therapy, whether you go to couple therapy, whatever type of modality you choose. I know when it comes to the marriage aspect, they think, okay, well, at the end of this, when we're both healed, now we're going to be the better part of ourselves and we're going to be together forever. And it's still sold to you as a fairy tale, as a happily ever after. Well, actually, there comes a point where two people grow and they have grown as far as they can grow together and they have to love each other so much that they uncouple with love. And it's not embarrassing. It's not shameful. It's not a failure. Divorce is absolutely treated as a death. I completely understand. But there comes a point where you've done what you can do. You're still going to be in each other's lives, especially with kids. And you just kind of got to move on from that in a nice, wonderful, thank you for showing me all the lessons kind of way. I know there's a lot of comfort zones that I have in my marriage, but when we have our deep heart to hearts that he's still uncomfortable with because he is a man who was not taught any of that um he's still like I just can't imagine a life where we're not together right. and I said I can't either but I can't imagine a life where we are exceptional co-parents we're amazing friends and we will do anything we can for our kids I will never let my daughter be with two people around her that are not in love like that. I will not sell a marriage of a perfect love and unconditional love if that doesn't exist for her anymore. Right. And that's 
the biggest, longest, and honestly, like, bullet point answer, because I could go on forever, like, and I know, you know, like, especially growing up, growing up in, like, whatever toxicity and abuse that you did, like, you met couples that they, even though they had their struggles, you just knew they were supposed to be together, you knew they were supposed to move mountains together, and, like, that was it, I have, like, an ideal couple in my mind that I've distantly known since I was a kid and I know a lot of the backstory of their life but still you look at them and you're like you're meant to be together like right. no matter what happens and then mm -hmm. you meet other people and you're like y'all are not meant to be together read the <laughs> fucking room yeah. you know like they become the fear couple because you're like I don't ever want to get trapped in something like that how do I get out of that comfort zone where I'm so used to knowing this devil you know and it becomes a devil the devil that you know type thing and I was right. always terrified to get into that even again especially going through a karmic for seven years yeah it was traumatizing and I didn't have a definition for it either so that was also the harder harder part about unraveling is when you start finding out definitions for like different things of abuse I'm like oh my god I experienced that like no wonder I'm so fucking weird. <laughs> I yeah. had no idea that I was violated that bad. And, and you know, um, <clears throat> two really, uh, really strong uh, points because uh, it's been mentioned a couple times, and and I feel it's an important uh, subject to bring up in every podcast, just because it's such a taboo conversation, mm -hmm. and that's suicide. Um, I I feel you know when you were talking about people unraveling and you know discovering their inner child and trying to heal all those traumas people don't realize like it doesn't it like the six month thing that you brought up like inner child work isn't something that happens overnight you know it's one of those things like I, i've been in therapy i think this would be the fourth year that i've been in therapy there's still stuff that i'm discovering about myself that mm -hmm. uh you know certain triggers i didn't know that were there and that suicidal ideations are always there too you know those never go away and it's not like one of those things where, oh, you should take medicine or, oh, you should check yourself in and baker act yourself and this and that. And like, it's not like that. It's not, it's not like an active, I want to take my life kind of thing. It's more so I'm tired of struggling and there's that voice always chirping in your ear, mm -hmm. whether it's a strong voice or not, it's always there. It's always and there. Yeah. When you're sitting there, uh, I guess, unburying that inner child that was covered by trauma that was covered by abuse and whatever else people don't seem to realize that you know whether it's grief or whether it's overcoming trauma that it's not an overnight thing you know it's not mm -mm. it's not going to happen in six months hell for some people it's not even a year or two years sometimes it could be a lifetime of healing and there's nothing wrong with trying to maintain that inner child and protecting that inner child um from everything that it's ever gone through and you know trying to prevent those things from happening ever again trauma is something that can happen any time of the day and you know any point of your life no matter how high or how low you are it's always going to be there in your face whether you realize it or not and uh the second point i wanted to make so i actually had this conversation with my best friend on thursday and i wrote that marriage question uh, for you, because I knew, uh, you know, having a female's perspective on the whole thing. And I asked him, like, you know, he's been with his wife for 17 years. That's almost unheard of in our age group, mm -hmm. you know, it, and it's and it's sad to say that. But, you know, most couples, 
nowadays, especially if they're married, will just walk away and not try to fix things. And, you know, I, I would love to be in a society where people can go through a divorce and have kids and not take it to social media and drag each other. But absolutely. Know, we're well, we're just, in that. I think that's sorry to cut you off, but no, you bring okay. up a really good point. Like I've met so many people that like we've been married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And I'm like, that's great. But what happened to you in those 40 years? And like, did you stay because you actually wanted to stay and work on a marriage or did you stay because you felt obligated you have children you don't want to unbundle finances you don't want to be the person that has to check separated or divorced on a form like there are people that should stay and be in love in whatever sense and celebrate those milestones together and really like for lack of a better term, be super excited that they persevered through a lot of the harder stuff. And then there are other people where I'm like, you know, you're just afraid, right? Like you're not staying for the right reasons. So like when I meet a couple and I'm, they're like, man, we've been through some shit. We've been together for 20 years. Couldn't imagine anybody else by my side. Like da, 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 da. I'm like, yeah, I do believe you. But then there are other people I'm like, you stayed because honestly, it's easier. Like you didn't want to have to go through the process. And the worst part about that, I always think of kids like, yeah, you sacrificed yourself. You're an honorable person for committing to your vows and doing all of that. But now your children have grown up and they've never seen what true love actually is. They've seen martyrism. They've seen sacrifice. They've seen obligation and they've seen settling. And right. especially if it's a girl Mm -hmm. dude get your shotgun ready because she's gonna date some douchebags now right. you know and if it's a boy you can only hope that he takes the good attributes out of it so yeah. and if it comes to divorce like i want the as much as i want the suicide and mental health stigma to go away i want the divorce stigma to go away where you don't look at somebody like they failed like you look at them like they love themselves enough mm -hmm. to realize there's actually a better love for both of you and I out there. And I'm going to be the bigger person to release you and let you go. Right. And maybe that's like a fairy tale aspect, but I'm, I'm on both sides of the spectrum where fuck. Yeah. Like you count your anniversaries. And if you've done the 20, the 40, the 50 to 60, and you've really done it, like, that's amazing. But if you're on the other side of the spectrum where you don't even recognize yourself anymore and yeah. you're really just going through the motions and you've decided that therapy and antidepressants are how you're only going to be able to survive in your marriage. And by like putting on a face and shoving your heart full of materialism, I'm telling you, dude, you have a choice and you don't have to feel bad that you don't want to do this anymore. Right. You know, like nobody wants to be lonely, but how lonely are you laying next to someone that you don't exactly. love and you don't know? Because right. that was also my fear of getting married. <laughs> And I've had those moments where I'm like, I don't know who I am. I don't know who you are. And, you know, we're really good at giving each other space. I'm not even going to lie. That right. helps a lot. And and one of the one of the things he was saying, uh, you know, I I jokingly asked him, but I guess, it, you know, I, I knew he was going to give me an actual answer because we have that kind of respect for each other. But I said, you know, what's your secret? You know, like 17 years, like like I said, unheard of. And he's like, you Seriously. know, we, we respect each other. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he kind of, he elaborated a little bit more. He's like, she knows that I'm not responsible to keep her happy, to make her happy. I'm responsible. And she's not 
responsible for keeping me happy. You have to make yourself happy. And that way, when you meet in the middle, you can enjoy all things together. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy love and, and all those things. And I, my reply was, you know, I feel a lot of people are in love with the idea of a wedding, but not the idea of a marriage. Oh, absolutely. And I and I see it way too often where uh, a couple will be together two, three, four, five years. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I have to get married because that's what society says. You know, we've mm-hmm. been engaged for two years, so we have to get married. I, I'm I'm very old school when it comes to relationships. I, I would love a family. I would love that nuclear family that society seems to be trying to cut away. But I also want to be happy with myself and my relationship with that person because, you know, again, social media is a really bad influence on a lot of relationships. It's so awful. It makes you feel like your relationship sucks. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like it does, no matter how great. And again, oh, you really hit the nail on the head with like you taking your time and like wanting to know yourself. And I I hate to use like know what you can offer somebody because there's always that huge stigma where women want a certain physique and a certain job and a certain amount of money and a a house and a lifestyle. And the same for men is like, they all want a wife to stay at home, do sexual things to them and, and look like a playboy bunny all the time. Even like after they have a kid, um, there's so much toxicity on that stuff that if you notice that's obviously affecting your relationship, like just get like, don't follow that shit because Elon Musk said it really perfect on Joe Rogan's podcast where he was like, social media is really toxic because like I can take 15 different pictures and I'm going to pick the one picture that's the best representation that's supremely edited. And I'm going to put like a fluffy caption with it. And when you're scrolling through, you're like, oh my God, look at their life. It's amazing. My life's not like that. Look, I haven't done my dishes today. I have laundry to do. I'm not even wearing makeup. And I decided to scroll instead of exercise. Like there's some weird sick thing that I think some weird puppet stringy hierarchy people when they made social media, they're like, do you know how to destroy the psyche of a human being? give all of them a voice and tell them they're important all at once about everything they feel, everything they say and randomly censor it just to piss them off more because there's a lot of positivity. And again, it's all about like how you're going to see the world. If you think the world's full of fear, you're going to see fear. If you think it's full of positivity, it's full of positivity. I have to constantly hit the X button on my social media. I'm not going to scroll by. I'm going to make sure it never pops up again. And I'm going to let you know, I'm not freaking interested and no offense to anybody that I get out where I block out, but my feed has to be extremely positive because I am a human being that is proud to tell you that I've struggled with mental illness my whole life. I have been through the ringer of Western medicine. It did not pan out well for me. I have went to the holistic side and it has saved my life in many aspects. But the other thing I'd like to point out is the cycle of healing that people get trapped in, whether they're in therapy or whether they're on the holistic or meditation side. Healing is a lifelong journey. You're never going to walk into a therapist's office and they're going to go happy Friday. You're, you're healed. You don't need me (laughs) anymore. You know, I have heard stories where they're like, Hey, you're getting to a really good part where like, you know, I don't really think you need to see me as much, maybe like once or twice a week. And they're, they like kind of wean you off of them in a sense. Um, I think that's admirable. 
life coaches, therapists, they need to pull these things apart for you so you continue to pay them. That yeah. is their profession. You will need to pay them. I'm not saying that negatively. I'm just saying that's stated as a fact. Um, however long they want to pull apart your problems and have you sit on their couch, that's great. But if you're treating therapy session like going to church on Sunday and being a dick on Monday, you're really just spinning your wheels telling yourself you're doing stuff and it's an ego trap. So Absolutely. if anybody tells you, hey, you're going to get healed in this much time, no, you're going to have progress on a journey. You're going to have a greater awareness. You're actually going to be a little more fucking annoyed with life for a little bit because yeah. you you're again, your awareness is growing like your peripherals coming back in a sense. But I don't ever want anybody to be like, oh, I'm completely fully healed. Everything's fine. Like, no, it's not. And I've come to moments where I'm like, oh, thank God, I can like take a little break and enjoy life. But I am constantly making sure I don't backslide into the person that I was before yeah. I woke up. And mentally, I don't want to have the day where my ideation gets so bad that that very dark, small voice that's been with me since I was a child comes back up and does something I never right. want to happen like when it comes in my head I'm like you're not me you're not mm -hmm. real I right. you need love you know you, you need some slippers you need some popcorn you need a nice Disney movie and you need a fucking fuzzy blanket and we're gonna watch <laughs> Mufasa die together okay because the only thing that's dying is Mufasa okay like you gotta re-traumatize yourself we yeah, got we're this. gonna re-traumatize you <laughs> yeah but like I always think that like if it's dark it's void of light so it's right. fear if it's negative it's void of love so instead right. of like pushing it away and being like fuck you it's it's not real it's out of my head I'm like oh my gosh what part needs love you know and I treat it like a puppy that really needs love and it settled down, but it wasn't yeah. without practice. And it still isn't without strife. Like I have days where I'm like, why do I have this platform? Mm -hmm. I feel like imposter syndrome takes me over. And I'm like, yes. I'm, not a I'm not a guide. I'm not on a pedestal. I don't talk like right. I'm on a pedestal. I talk from, holy shit. This is what I found on my human experience. Fucking crazy, right? Right. Mm -hmm. whoa and I kind of go along with that and you know when you put anything out into the public for instance YouTube comments trolls why do you exist I don't know we don't have time for that but I did an episode where a woman interviewed me about my spiritual awakening and I went head over heels on the details and it sounds crazy like to me I experienced it and I think it's crazy I put myself in the shoes of like a psychologist or a therapist and they're like, bitch needs to be in my office. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, this is my direct experience with the divine. This is what I know happened to me. And I want to share this because there's no way I'm the first person this happened to. And I would really like to talk to like, like-minded people around it. So I put the episode on my YouTube channel to, you know, obviously cross promote and get the story out and be like, this platform's here because this shit happened to me. I would never want to do any of this again had I not had this moment of blissful clarity. And I randomly got a like comment notification on my phone. It was like somebody commented on your spiritual awakening video. And I was like, oh, hopefully it's a like-minded person that makes me feel better about something that already makes me feel different, isolated, and alone. And this woman took time out of her day to just randomly comment on there. 
yeah, this girl seems kind of problematic, don't you think? And I was, I was sitting there. I wasn't offended. I was just like flabbergasted. I was like, you listen to that whole interview, me bearing my soul about something that is honestly like very vulnerable, right? Because this doesn't make you the fucking prom queen telling this story. It makes you like the weird girl with the Ouija board, which I'm not into either, but I understand the perception people are going to get because spiritual awakenings, kundalini energy chakras, it's obviously more Eastern than Western. I completely understand. But the reason I talk about it is because I experienced it. And if I didn't experience it, I would also think the person was a crackpot that said it to me. And now I'm going to be a voice for people that are going through some type of conscious awareness or up leveling of themselves in some capacity but i did take the time to wonder why am i problematic because i told the truth why so if i just sat here and gave an interview where um i love my antidepressants are really working for me and processed foods are amazing and i fucking love lululemons and stanley cups and um oh my god what else is trending Mm. right Check out that young thug trial. Yeah. Ooh, P. Diddy <laughs> sucks now. Like, if I said all of those trending things, right. like, could I have more comments? Like, if I learn to twerk, will people take me seriously? Right. It's just not a fucking world that I'm willing to be in. I'm going to yeah. be grassroots. I'm going to be myself. And I will never for the life of me understand why I am problematic because I told you an extremely vulnerable, crazy right. fucking trippy story that happened to me five years ago that I still... I still research on because Mm. I want to know what happened to me. I want to know all of that stuff. But like for you, how do you deal like with the criticism? Obviously, like not letting it get to you. But are you ever just like, why would you take time out of your day? So um, I actually have two like really short, uh, short comments about that. Um, I had done a men's mental health um. article that i posted at work um really happy that they put it on their website it was for men's mental health month and Mm -hmm. i posted the same thing in the group i'm like okay yeah it's gonna be well received you know people are gonna like it and stuff and you know sometimes trolls get by when they get accepted into the group and you don't catch all of them Mm -hmm. um and this woman comments on there telling me that i'm a joke and i know nothing about life and i'm just sharing my story yeah why how I took, I'll try to take my life at 14 and 27 and said that this conversation needs to be had because men aren't encouraged to have those conversations. And I went on her profile and I'm like, okay, maybe she's going through something. Like that was my first response. You go for compassion. Let me turn the other cheek and check the profile out. Check the profile and perfectly happy with family and stuff. I'm like, and I looked in my, in my, uh, in the post, I'm like, I didn't say anything about women. Like, I wasn't trashing anybody. I'm like, I just said that men should have a voice too. That's pretty much what I said. Um, I, I mean, I, I took her out of the group, but I was so confused and hurt at the same time because it was just like, I was so vulnerable in that post. Yes. And that's why people aren't vulnerable because stepping out into the light in that way and being like, look at look at all these things I just found, you know, it's like walking out, right? Like if you could visualize the verbal that you're trying to do, you, you have this gunshot wound that you've been carrying around for 20 years. 
you had no fucking clue you got shot, right? And then finally it starts bleeding and you walk in and you have blood all over your hands and you're like, look, look at all this that I found. I'm so sorry I did that to you. Yeah. Oh, and you're in the a middle of forgiveness of yourself and all this disillusionment, right? This destate, you're like, and you're like, but I want to help somebody. Like I go through these things so we can help people know, hey, you're not alone. This happened to me. I didn't know either. I didn't have a definition. And you hold these bloody hands out to these fucking trolls. And they go, ha ha, you hurt. You suck. You don't right. know how to do live. Yeah. And I, I obviously like, I love the saying like hurt people, hurt people and healed people. It's heal so people. true. And it really is so true. So true. Um, yeah. And I, again, I know I totally got sidetracked with that, but trolls really, it's kind of like someone that interviews a serial killer and just like can keep a biased opinion. It's like, well, why did you chop up 17 bodies and hide them under your house? I'm not judging you because that's not my job. Yeah. I just want to know how your brain works. And with the given time that you have with life, right. you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit down on social media today and I'm going to bully people because oh, I yeah. can hide behind the screen. It's crazy. I think it's insane. The, I really the do. The second comment um, that was made to me was over TikTok. And Jesus, TikTok is horrible. I'm just it really say is. Um, yeah. And I, I stitched a video of uh, them talking about cutting off your family. And I said, hey, I'm one of those who cut off their mom because she was mentally and emotionally abusive to me. And I just didn't want her in my life anymore. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, I used to feel really guilty about it because society tells you it's your mom. You're supposed to love your mom. And uh, a man is reflected by his relationship with his mom and all those social norms that are thrown out there. Um somebody commented on there i've never walked a day in her shoes that i know nothing and i'm like you're right because she was beating me with those shoes what what do you mean I, yeah elaborate I so, more right yeah. I, I was so confused i'm like bro you guys just comment to comment and they do the, the trolling but you know that's so like bad. it you know, that's like a strategy, I guess now, like in content creation, they're like, go to other random people, people's videos and comment on their videos. And then their commenters will like your comment and they'll come and look at your content. I'm like, that's so fucking toxic. Oh, yeah. I, I cannot sit on comment sections. Are you kidding me? I'm trying not to kill myself. So right. probably not where I'm going to, again, energy. People think because, you know, we're physical that like our soul has a body. It's not right. the other way around. You're giving your energy to the most low vibrational bullshit possible. And yeah, I mean, it's really hard to get away with it. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the food. It's on social media. It's at work. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And as cheesy as it sounds, you kind of got to work on being the lighthouse for yourself, not Absolutely. going out and being for other people, but for right. yourself, Absolutely. you know, you're a conduit. You're filled with a bunch of bullshit, bullshit in bullshit out. Absolutely. So Good when you start you. working on yourself, you honestly start caring for a lot of people you know my gratitude practice has been through the fucking roof with all this cold weather because there's a million things that i would rather be doing right now than 
making sure we have enough firewood in our fireplace and all the blankets are clean. But I wake up in a warm king size bed wrapped up in a very fuzzy blanket. And the first thing I do is go, thank you so much for waking me up, Lord. Thank you so much for this deliciously fuzzy blanket. And thank you so much for keeping my house warm for me because it's below whatever negative wind chill degree outside. Right. And you know, please be with all the homeless people that don't have a place to stay right now because I wouldn't know what to do. I really yeah. wouldn't know what to do. I'm so grateful for a lot of the amenities that I have that a lot of people are just like pissed off they have an electricity bill. I was like, well, what would you do without electricity? Oh, you don't want to pay your water bill? Okay, that's cool. I get it. You're right. It's bullshit. They charge us for water. You're right. It's bullshit that we're charged for anything on earth. You're right. <laughs> right. God gave it to us for free. Yeah. Round of applause. But- right. When you start looking for all the positive things, that negative voice really has no energy to feed off of. And that's the thing is like, if I could leave anybody with anything, just Google neuroplasticity, Google it, watch the video of how your thoughts form in your head. If you are a fan of Western medicine or have been with Western medicine, I want you to understand that there are people I do believe that need it. And there are people that are obviously making the switch to holistic alternatives. And I want you to go look at what that medicine does to your brain. Um, I was on an antidepressant when I was 19 for a transitional period of my life. And it, I'm going to be 33 soon. And I just found out this year that the antidepressant I was on doesn't it doesn't help do anything for serotonin levels besides take the small amount that I had at that time in my life and spread it across a seven day period. Then I go into holistic medicine and fruits and vegetables and juicing. And I find out your serotonin levels are about your fucking gut health and you can eat proper food fruit and vegetables and recipes, and it'll up your fucking serotonin levels. But that pill that you take, it will never increase it for you. And again, I was completely ignorant with Western medicine. I grew up thinking you go to the doctor, they're going to take care of you, that it's a really big trust. Yeah. But you find out that there are these companies behind the doctors that, yeah, it's, it's all a part of the system. And I'm, I'm not bashing anybody that works in healthcare or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. I just understand that I was a part of a system that never wanted to get to the root of my issue. They just wanted to nice. bleed me dry on my symptoms. Yep. And when I started learning anything in the holistic field, anything from nutrition to oils, to sound therapy, to frequency, vibration, all of these things that I thought were completely out there and woo, I was just like, there's a bridge here. Yeah. You know, Western medicine is has done so many wonderful things for us. We can obviously live longer with it. But keep in mind, before, when we just had a holistic and then we bring Western in, do you know who brought like the petroleum-based synthetic medication into the mainstream? Mm -mm. It's the Rockefellers. Right. They established sense. education and medicine at the same time, and they did a propaganda campaign against yep. herbalists, right. and they tied it in with paganism to make it a religious pursuit. So it's a religious demonization, and it's a like medical demonization 
at the same time they popped up all of the schools at the same time they named them a bunch of different names and they're like this is medicine if you practice anything else out of medicine you're out of the fucking club right so do it for however long uh hey all these cancers are starting to pop up when we're using this oil-based medicine what are we going to do about it should we let them know about holistic health blah 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 no you know what we're going to do we're going to start the american cancer society so we can help these people that we've fucking poisoned we're going to run propaganda campaigns against hemp to make sure that plastic takes over the world And when these people use holistic medicine, we will demonize them in the public, in the church, right? everywhere. Absolutely. So my favorite thing about bringing God back into it is this earth, all of the things that grew on it before we started putting all of these chemicals and letting big business infect all of our food with a bunch of crazy fucking shit on the labels, um, that food goes through your body really good it breaks it down it doesn't get stuck yeah everybody's different so you're gonna have to take time to kind of figure it out and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you all of the chemicals you're putting in your body they have so many forever chemicals in them that we're all basically fucked in general like nobody's gonna have a clean vessel from this point with air water all of that stuff absolutely But holistic medicine, you can take a lot of your individual power back. I have found a lot of myself in trying to heal myself through plant-based foods, creams, as far as a master herbalist that I go through that is just life-changing for what she can teach me. I went and saw her today. She was teaching me about cayenne pepper if you are having a heart attack on your way to the doctor. It will open your blood vessels up enough to at least help you until you can seek medical attention. Uh, That's a really great fucking bridge, in my opinion. I'm not saying if you have a heart attack, take cayenne pepper and don't go (laughs) to the doctor. No, for the love of God, if you have a heart attack and you're waiting on an ambulance, they literally say to take like a certain measurement. You'll have to look out of yourself. You can put it straight in their mouth, which is going to be woo, or you can mix it in water and have them drink it. And it's going to do that. So a lot of people don't want to do the research along because you're like, again, let me go look up cayenne pepper and see what it does in the body and what it can actually help and what it can benefit. I've done that with so many things. I've been on this journey for five years, thanks to my awakening. And I have flipped my cabinets over end over end over end, researching companies, researching their distribution, where they come from, anything that I possibly can. Because I want to be the healthiest version that I possibly can be. But I live in a society where I go in a grocery store and there's a health food section. Section. You know what I'm saying? So it's like awakening, not just like spirituality and clear senses and crystals and all that shit. My awakening was realizing there were a lot of poisons in my life. And the only poisons that everybody's talking about is don't do illegal drugs. Psilocybin's bad. And I'm like, what about the shit you just coated my apple in, Bill Gates? What the fuck is this about? Yeah. What is all of this shit? And keep yeah. asking why. You might go a little crazy, but hey, send Sometimes me a those rabbit holes are necessary to jump down. 
you know i just um, think it expands your mind i yeah. honestly believe the suppression of human consciousness from a collective standpoint cannot be taken anymore whether right. whatever you believe in you can believe in jesus christ and understand your food's poisoned right you know just like educate yourself live a little longer love more hate one of less. my uh one of my uh former guests was also a, a holistic therapist as well and uh she was saying, you know, most, most people that are in the health field, you know, they want to treat the symptom and not the cause. And yes. I'm like, you know, and I, I believe that in every aspect of the the health field, whether it's health or mental health, you know, there unfortunately are therapists out there that are just there to prescribe you medicine and not help you, you know, well, and they also are like, they get paid a shit ton of money. Like exactly. I don't want to take it away from the people that are like, right. I went into psychology to help people. Thank you right. so much. But the people are like, Oh, I could make that much money and pretend to care exactly. about people. Like big pharma controls a lot of things in this world. And it's scary. Well, and it's there's scary. certain books, right? Yeah. There's only certain books that you can teach from. So even if you <laughs> like, say you're a doctor, but outside of work you're like fuck yeah i got my own garden i know what they're doing yeah like i don't i don't feed my kids that shit no 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 yeah. no. but it it's clocking in and clocking out and you really got to wonder like what what they're clocking into and peddling for again big corporations right because i don't want to demonize nurses and doctors i think they're amazing one of my best yeah. friends is the most brilliant doctor i've ever met in my life and if i didn't have him in my life when i tore my meniscus I probably would have like been like, okay, I'll go to this knee doctor and he's going to tell me I need an MRI. And then he's going to tell me that he's now, oh, I'm going to have to have surgery. Like it wasn't right. a root tear or anything. It was one that could easily heal itself. And I called my best friend and I called my chiropractor and I said, I, I feel like I'm a part of the system. That's just how I feel right now. I want to believe that I can trust this doctor, but I don't like I've done research I've studied the body. I know how these things like line up and add up together. So I, I feel like I really can't trust him. And it makes me feel crazy because I have educated myself on parts of my body so much that I can advocate for myself. And the one thing that I've noticed some doctors really hate is you advocating for your body because how dare you look up stuff for right. your body i'm here to tell you and that was a really big red flag for me for instance with the knee injury for anybody that also felt like they're part of the system um i studied the body in general from energy to anatomy for yoga practices and then energy work in general for my own research in the middle of that i tore my meniscus and I knew I tore my meniscus because I just took a test on this part of my body. And I was like, oh God, okay. Yep. Feels like this. Which one is it? I sat there with my book and I was like, I think I'll be able to take care of this at home. I woke up the next day. The swelling was so bad. I couldn't even like bend my knee back in place. So I was like, I can't believe I'm going to have to go to an emergency room. Cause I'm not that type of person to do that. I had a friend drive me to the ER they did x-rays, which I was like, it's not anything with my bone. There's a piece of tissue that's stuck under my bone, but like, okay, I get it. I'm just, I'm, it's a checklist for them, right? We're going to give you an x-ray and make sure nothing's broken, bro. If something was broken, it'd be broken. Right. 
And so then I went through that. I got crutches and a knee brace so I could at least go back to work. And then they scheduled me with like a knee doctor, like probably four days later, I had to ice it and do all that fun stuff. So I get to the knee doctor and I'm already hyperventilating because I'm like, if this guy tells me I need surgery, I'm gonna tell him to cut the motherfucker off. Like I just, I can't be a part of the system. I can't, I don't even know if I can afford to see you. Why does your office have crown marbling? This is fucking weird. How much do you get paid? Right. So really wasn't in the best state of mind because I was like, this is probably going to be like every other visit I've had where you're in there for like two to five minutes and you've already overpaid just so they cannot mm-hmm. tell you shit. Right. Um, so I go in there. I know my knees super swollen still and they had scheduled me for an MRI which if I had to get an MRI, I had to call my insurance company and be like, are we good? Or are you going to send me a $25,000 bill? It's going to run my life because MRIs aren't cheap. Right. And so I go in there that day. He walks in, introduces himself, touches my knee for 2.5 seconds. And he's like, yeah, looks like there's still some swelling and we're going to go ahead and take x-ray. I was like, I brought my x-rays from the emergency room. It's this part right. of my meniscus. It's stuck under this part of my bone. Um, I know there's no way for you to like go in and like remove it. I think it just, the swelling needs to go down and I need time. I came to you to like, kind of make me feel better about the fact that I really don't want to go through surgery. Cause I don't really right. need surgery. I had already talked to my best friend at this point, And he was like, for the love of God, do not let anybody operate on your knee because you're going to get some jackass that doesn't know what he's doing in the knee. He's going to pull your meniscus out. And then you're really going to have knee problems the rest of your life. He's like a meniscus can self heal, especially the one that you tore and where you tore it, which I want to say that because I did have a family member that root tore their meniscus and she definitely needed surgery. So this is my case. So I was already advocating for myself and I was extremely well-informed. I wanted the doctor to be my teammate not a dictator on yeah. I know everything about knees because you didn't you were taking an x-ray on a meniscus and that's not helping shit when I already brought you x-rays right. <laughs> so you know it the, my bones aren't gonna shift in four days like I understand yeah. I have inflammation right so he was like yeah we're gonna go ahead and wait till the swelling goes down then we'll do an MRI and we'll get more I went to my chiropractor that thank God is a friend of the family. And he was able to look at the cartilage on my knee and tell me the same thing. My best friend who's a doctor told me, and that's advocating for yourself. Like I went to you for help, for safety, for understanding and education. And you gave me a overpriced knee brace from a really nice guy named Eric, who I really enjoyed talking to crutches that are so overpriced. It's fucking ridiculous. A copay that I'm like, what is this? Why is this copay so expensive? And I got about three minutes of your time. I spent more time with the guy who sold me my knee brace than I did the doctor that was trying to help fix my knee. I believe it. My that's my biggest complaint about Western medicine is it's yeah. it's set up like it's going to help you and it's you're part of the system here pay your bills kind of like fast food if, if we're if we're thinking it about is. it it's, it's kind of like it's fast a food fucking business yeah but I always want people to know the guy that came in and fitted me for my knee brace he was he was my favorite fucking guy that's why I was right. like Eric wherever you are <laughs> whatever company you work for I think he probably sells like he's the guy that comes in and like sells you the stuff right. like. I was like, you made me 
feel so comfortable with the fact that I'm about to fight with my insurance company over this $1,800 knee brace. Why is this $1,800? That's another episode, you know? But Um, I I do think they can work together, even though I've bitched enough about my knee injury. But advocate for yourself. And if if your doctor has a problem with you wanting to be educated on yourself, I think that's a red flag. Yeah. Plain and simple. For me, when I tore my shoulder, I think I got an x-ray, I got an MRI, got a cortisone shot. None of those helped. X-ray is not going to show you a torn torn shoulder. Uh, no. The MRI didn't do anything. Um, and the cortisone shot they injected into my uh, my shoulder blade. I'm like, bro, it's right here. I cannot lift my arm. Like, So when it came down to like the final decision making on what I was going to do... Um, they said, you can either take some medicine that will prescribe you. And I automatically said, absolutely not. You can rehab it, which I'm like, okay, I could do that. Or surgery. I told them surgery just to see what, you know, just to see what's going on. Because I literally can't move my arm. Like, even rehab, like, I don't even think rehab would have helped. Um, when I got surgery and went back to the doctor, he's like, you're lucky you got this surgery because the, the muscle look like it was put in a blend uh, blender i'm like bro i told you like i'm not i know my body like perfect example of needing (laughs) surgery yeah hey this could actually heal on itself with a little like again i'm glad i had the knee brace i'm not excited about the price because i do think that's a little excessive okay um but i i i love the blending of it like yeah if your shoulder's shredded like that no, you're not going to be able to wave your hand in front of it and fucking drop peppermint oil on it and bless it away. Right, exactly. Like, I'm sorry, all of our vibrations are way too low for that magic. Yeah. But if you can advocate for yourself, you understand what you are putting in your body, how it's breaking down in your body, and is it helping or hindering you, then I think you can make 10 times better things than honestly outsourcing all of your trust to these companies because they've proven to us that we can't trust them they've taken our trust for granted and been like why don't we just test all of these products (laughs) on the mass market and then we'll just collect the complaints and then just kind of like dial it back you know like we'll just like poison them a little bit and then if they like notice we'll be like it's not poison it's good for you 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 can make that a you can make that argument about the vaccines. I won't say too much about that, but you know, um, we can make the argument about that. <laughs> you know, that's a whole other episode yeah. of like how fucked up is this world? Because yeah. again, like I was at the doctor the other day with my daughter, and she said shots really hurt. I don't yeah. like them, and I sure. said I completely understand. I go, but baby, you have to understand. There was a time when smallpox and polio were eradicating a population. And there were scientists that were dedicated to eradicating that vaccine. And as much as I truly want to believe that when you got those shots, when you're a baby, I want to believe that I was protecting you from polio and smallpox and all of these other things. Do I believe that children can be affected negatively? Absolutely. I absolutely do. But shots suck for everybody sure we are all different we are all sold the same medicine for each different body and that's why away from demonizing and bitching about my knee doctor (laughs) um 
I think it's a great blend of medicine. Yeah. My daughter got sick recently and thank God we got her like a nebulizer and I got her immune booster and you know, she's going to be fine. She's going to heal faster. I think that's the best part of know yourself, know how to advocate for yourself, set boundaries, stand up for yourself. And Rome isn't built in a day and you certainly aren't going to figure out how to take care of yourself in a day. Again, right. it's year five of me trying to stay alive the proper way, in my opinion. And like there are days where I'm like, I don't want to eat healthy today. I want some bullshit in my diet. So I'm going to do a little bit of bullshit here. I'm going to do a little bit of good shit over here. And I'm going to call myself <laughs> a hybrid, say I'm having a really good human experience and just be really excited that I love myself enough to take time to take care of myself. Right. I'm a little over the martyr aspect <laughs> of self-sacrifice because of my job, because of my family, because of this, like yeah. it's airplane rules. You, you got to put your mask on first so you can be a better example. And I say yeah. that, especially if you have kids, I have a four-year-old daughter and it is monkey see monkey do right now. So I've let a couple cuss words slip and I'm not happy about it, but it happens. And it's really yeah. funny when she says shit. And then I have to go, that's an adult word. You don't say that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. I, sh I shouldn't have said that in front of you. Right. You know, we're not going to get out of this unscathed, but <laughs> I just want people to take better care of themselves and be nicer. Yeah. And I I really want internet trolls to figure out how to love themselves. So when they go and comment on stuff, it's for positivity. I think yeah. if we all understood how powerful our words and our thoughts were, we would use them properly. And um, I think that's just probably what I'll keep speaking about until the day that I die. Yeah. Because it's just going to take people taking positive steps forward um I just really used to hide behind the like a very bitchy persona um where I was like yeah fuck you don't affect me I don't give a shit fuck your feelings um and I don't want to be that person I can still be that person she can come out of retirement but I don't want to yeah I want I want to be nice to people hmm. and um just kind of spread some love while I'm here because we have no idea how long yeah. our time is going to be here. So when I leave and I'm gone, I will be happy I am gone. And my shows will still be here of all of the people that I've met. And that's including you. And I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Um, I, I greatly appreciate you being on uh, today's episode. It's uh, It's been enlightening. Um, I think your story has been very powerful. Um at the end of every podcast, uh, I'd like to actually, before we get to that part, um, if you can change one thing in the mental health community, what would it be? The stigma on just suicide and suicide ideation, just, yeah. they need, they're not attention seeking. They're really struggling with something deep inside of them and Absolutely. you shouldn't, you shouldn't write it off. That would yeah. be my favorite thing is get away from the stigma where we've all been trained We've all been trained to be mentally ill in this society, right? We yeah. all have something going on. That would be right. my biggest thing. I, I absolutely agree. I think suicide is one of those topics that definitely needs to come up more in casual conversations. You know, obviously it's not a casual situation, but it needs to be, uh, people need to know that it's okay to talk about it. Um, Give me one sec. At, at the end of every podcast, uh, I like to read a quote 
based on the topic of discussion or uh, the guests that I have on. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, close the show out to our listeners? I want to hear your quote, but I did just want to say the book that I'm reading right now is called The Disappearance of the Universe. It's not... <laughs> It's not a beginner book by any means, but it is extremely revolutionary to where I am on my journey and I love it. So I would definitely check it out. Perfect. What is it called again? The Disappearance of the Universe. Okay. Cool. Um, so for the for the quote that I found today, it's by a Mr. Richard Schultz. Um, and it's natural healing is about taking control of your life and being responsible for everything that goes in and out of your body, mind, and spirit. Very simple, um, but very powerful quote. Um, I think, you know, like you said about Western medicine versus holistic healing, there's always that weird cloud over it, demonizing holistic healing and stuff. And definitely want to see more people take care of themselves physically and spiritually um, moving forward. Um, just for our listeners, where can we find you on your socials? Socials, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under Safe Space with Cheyenne. Um, and then listening, any streaming platform. Uh, my biggest listeners are definitely like Spotify and Google and oh my gosh, Apple, all all the big <laughs> guys. But yeah. anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find them for sure. So Follow along, come get in on the discussions. And obviously, if you have a story to tell, you're always welcome in the safe space. Perfect. Thank you so much again for being on today's podcast, Cheyenne. Um, greatly appreciate your insight and telling your story. Um, for all of our listeners, thank you guys again for tuning in. And as always, be gentle with yourselves. Much love, guys. <laughs>